is his constant desire to have his heart aligned with God's heart. And he does a, a wonderful job of communicating to the church the need for all of us to have our hearts and minds aligned with God's heart and mind. And we certainly see that in the Holy Spirit, and we're going to see that this morning. My friend, come and bless us. Oh, good morning, good morning. I bring you greetings from a number of different churches. I'm, I've told uh, uh, some people at Otter Creek that I'm going to be here with you today. I've told a church in Florida that I'm going to be with you today. I've told a church in Michigan. I'm going to, there are Christians all over uh, the, the states who uh, know about you and know I'm going to be with you today. And it's just an honor uh, to spend this morning with you, to break bread with you to drink the cup with you, to remember that we have so much in common, um, so much to look forward to together. Kelly has to say nice things about me because he brought me here and you know he kind of has to stand beside behind his choice. I don't have to say anything nice about him, <laughs> but I choose to. Um, you know, it's odd that in, in our heritage, uh, it's, it's not considered good taste to brag about your preacher. Could I encourage you to get over that? I travel all over the world. Um, I speak at churches all over this country. And I know of no finer minister filling a pulpit than Kelly Carter. He has a unique balance of absolute integrity, of deeply theological perspective, and he loves you. And I tell you, it does not get much better than that. Uh, you are fortunate indeed to have Kelly and Robin ministering in this church. Um, and I want to encourage you to encourage them so that they can give you the best they have. Um, I'm just proud of him and proud to be associated with him and proud of the work they're doing here among you. All right, I didn't have to say that, uh, but Kelly, you owe me 20 bucks. He wasn't much of a disciple, truth be told. When Jesus found him, he called him to follow, but he didn't do it because he had any vast theological training, because his spiritual depth was so profound. In fact, in all the years that he followed Jesus during his earthly ministry, he just wasn't that good a disciple. Um, Jesus would teach and he wouldn't get it. Jesus would tell a parable and it would go right over his head. He was, in turn, proud, petty, petulant. He rebuked Jesus once. He abandoned Jesus once. 
He denied Jesus once. And yet, 50 days after the cross, less than two months, Simon had been transformed into Peter, the rock. He was standing before crowds of thousands proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ as if he had been doing it all his life, as if he knew what he was doing. He heals a lame man and is brought before the Sanhedrin to answer uh, by what authority he did this. And he spoke with such fervor, such boldness. that The members of the Sanhedrin took note that though he was an unlearned man, he must have spent time with Jesus. He walked around Jerusalem dripping with such spiritual power that people brought their sick and laid them in the street so that if the shadow of Peter might fall upon them, they would be healed. It was Peter who responded to the heavenly vision and marched up to Cornelius' house and stepped across that threshold into the home of a pagan and preached the gospel and watched the Spirit fall. It was Peter who went back to Jerusalem to defend his actions and said, Who was I to stand against God? And ushers in the Gentiles to the faith. It was Peter who's leading the Jerusalem church, who's charting her course, who's teaching and preaching and, and raising up uh, these new believers to be. It's Peter. What happened to him? What happened to him? How does the small man we meet in the Gospels become the giant we meet in Acts? How does the man who's whacking off Malchus's ear with a sword become a man who will eventually write, Do not return insult for insult or evil for evil? What happened to Peter? Tradition says that at the end of his life, Peter is in Rome. So bold, so fervent, so persistent is his witness to Jesus Christ, he is arrested. He's told to shut up. And refusing that offer, They took him away to crucify him. And while shouting about the truth of Jesus Christ, he makes this one request. Would you mind crucifying me upside down? Because I'm not worthy to die in the same way as my master. Does faith ever make you feel small? 
closer you get to the greatness of God, the smaller you feel. The more you bump up against the majesty of Jesus, the more you shrink in comparison. The more deeply you explore the mysteries of God's purposes and God's plans, the shallower you and I seem. The more clearly you see the Christ-like lifestyle, its nobility, its beauty, its righteousness, the less capable you feel of living that. Does your faith ever make you feel small? Everything about God, after all, is, well, God-sized. God is all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present. You can only talk about Him using superlatives. He is great. He is awesome. He is holy. He is perfect. He is wonderful. His ways are high above our ways. His purposes are eternal and mysterious. Who wouldn't feel small in the presence of our great God? And everything about Jesus. Well, it's God-sized. He heals the sick and walks on water and raises the dead. He speaks words of life, the truth of God. He's the Lamb of God, the Prince of Peace, the light of the world. No wonder sometimes we're so overwhelmed by His majesty. We want to say with Peter, Go away from me, Lord. I'm just a sinful man. And everything about this kingdom business you and I are involved in is, well, God-sized. It's the world being saved, after all. It's eternal life that is on the line. It's the glory of God that's being poured into us. It's the image of God that's supposed to shine out of it. It shouldn't surprise us if we feel too puny and too weak to bear all of that. It's too much people like you and me. Do you have your Bibles? Turn to John. Chapter 16. We'll start reading in verse 12. If you were in class today, you recall that we looked at Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit from the final discourse this last evening he spends with his disciples. This is the final word he has to say on the Holy Spirit. And I want us to look at what Jesus promises to those who will follow him about the ministry, the work of this Holy Spirit in their lives. John chapter 16. Let's begin in verse 12. I have much more to say to you. More than you can now bear. But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. 
He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. And that is why I said, the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. Father, I pray that you would bless this reading of your word to these your people and that you might use these few moments to help us understand not only how great you are, but how you have given us a spirit who can make us great as well. In the name of Jesus, I pray it. Amen. It's his last night. He's only got moments left. And he recognizes he has so much to tell them. So many things he wants to say. So many things he has yet to teach them. He's been teaching them all along. For three years he's been teaching them. Trying to pour himself into them. And now time is up. He's at the end. And he says, I have so much more to tell you. But not for the first time in his ministry, Jesus bumps up against the very real limitations of the very men he's chosen to follow after him. He has more to say, but they can't hear it. He has more to say, but they can't bear it. He has more he would pour into them, but their small containers are full. He has more he would leave them with. But they can't even hold what he's already given them. Jesus could have become upset with them. I knew I should have called those guys in the boat next to you, not you bunch of losers. He could have chastised them for their limitations. He could have said, as he said in other places, Oh, ye of little faith. But watch Jesus as he deals with them so graciously. He doesn't get on to them. He doesn't upbraid them. He doesn't say, Oh, man, I made a lousy. He just says, It's okay, guys. I know it's too much. I know you can't bear it. But I've known that all along. I've never intended that I would be able to finish everything I wanted to do with you. For all along, I've been looking forward to a time when a spirit is going to come. A helper, a comforter, a paraclete, a a companion. Whose job it is to pick up with you where I have left off. And to complete in you what I have not been able to do. Jesus makes them some promises. And if you have your Bibles, I'm sorry I had a PowerPoint on this, but I brought the wrong memory stick. And Get your Bibles, and we're going to work back through this passage backwards. Okay? So, instead of looking at verse 12, would you look at verse 15? All that belongs to the Father is mine. 
God has taken Himself, His plans, His purposes, everything He's been doing in the world, all of God's glory, all of God's character, all of God's mystery, everything that is God has been taken and handed to Jesus Christ. And Jesus has brought that into the world and He's tried to hand it to His disciples, but it's too much for them. It's too heavy. It's more than they can bear. And so look at what He says in 14. He, the Spirit, will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine what the Father has given me. By taking from what is mine and making it known to you. Do you get that? Watch. The Father has given everything to the Son. The Son has given everything to the Spirit. And the Spirit is going to take all of that and give it to us. You following? Look at verse 13. When He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. We're going to come back and talk about that in a minute. Now what I want you to see is this. Imagine I have a suitcase here. God opens up the suitcase and packs Himself into it. All of His glory, all of His wonder, all of His majesty, all of His holiness, all of His fullness, everything about God goes into that suitcase. All of God's plans, all of God's purposes, everything He's been affecting in the world since the, the garden, all of that goes into that suitcase. The, 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 the mystery of the cross goes into the suitcase. Yes, and the mystery of the resurrection goes into the Everything goes into the suitcase, and God zips up that suitcase, picks it up, and hands it to the Son. And the Son can carry all of that, because the Son is strong. And the Son understands everything in that suitcase, because the Son is smart. And down to earth comes the Son, carrying everything the Father has given Him. And He takes that suitcase, so full of God, and He hands it to us. And what's, what's your response, Rebecca? She can't bear it. It's too much for her. She's not strong enough. She's not smart enough. It just, what's the word? Overwhelms her. And it's not that Jesus is just dumping it on her. It's not that Jesus is careless, is it? It's just that the suitcase is too big. We can't handle it. God is a fire hydrant, gushing truth. And we have these itty-bitty straws. And we're trying to get God in sips. And we're just overwhelmed. And Jesus says, it's okay. I know. I have so much more to tell you. More than you can bear. But there is one who is coming. And the Holy Spirit is going to take everything in that suitcase. And he's going to unzip it. Open it up. And he's going to reach in. And piece by piece, little by little, 
using small words. And when we get full, he waits. And then comes back and tries again. That spirit is going to be giving you all that God is. All that God wants. All that God is doing. As you can take it in bite-sized pieces, that's what the Spirit does. Now, listen closely, please. When small men like Peter encounter a big God, When small people like you and me encounter a big God, something has got to give. Either God has got to get smaller so we can wrap our brains around Him, or you and I have got to get bigger so that we can hold the fullness of God, the glory of God. Lots of people have decided to reduce God to something more manageable, less mind-boggling. The Pharisees did it. Let us teach you how to reduce God down to a size you can handle. Keep the law. Honor the traditions. Make the occasional sacrifice. No heart required. No mind-boggled, mind-numbed response to God needed. Just reduce God down. And then you can handle Him quite comfortably. We have done the same thing. You and I, if we're not careful, we'll reduce God to a size that is more manageable to us. Don't drink, dance, or smoke. Memorize Acts 2.38. Don't ever use an instrument in worship. And you too can have God at your fingertips. Lots of people are are interested in reducing God down to a size that they find manageable. And in so doing, they commit blasphemy. Jesus says, there's another way. And that other way involves not making God smaller, but making you and me larger. Hear what Jesus is saying here. He's saying in the first part, all that is God has been given to Jesus. All that Jesus has received has been given to the Spirit. And the Spirit is going to give us all of that. And He's going to do it in two ways. Listen close. Here they are. Number one, He is going to meter the revelational flow. He takes the main that is God, reduced down to the fire hydrant that is Jesus, and clamps it down to that straw that is us. And he feeds God to us as we can stand. 
And what we can't stand today, He waits till tomorrow and tries again. And something we don't understand now, He works a bit and, and turns around and tries it some other way. And when we're not ready because our hearts are hard with sin, or we're just stubborn, or our, our focus is on other things, the Spirit, the forever Spirit, waits patiently until once more He can be about the business of feeding us the fullness of God. Everything that is God is given to Jesus. Everything that is Jesus is given to the Spirit. And the Spirit spends forever parsing that out to us as much as we can take when we can take it. What a patient teacher. What a patient teacher. But there's something implied here that is even more profound. It's not just that the Holy Spirit is patiently persistently, consistently parsing out the Father to us. He's doing something more because it doesn't matter how patient the Spirit is. It doesn't matter how careful His teaching is. You and I are simply too small to contain the fullness of God, right? Oh, now come on. I know this is Canada. And you pride yourself on never... Right? We're just not big enough. And that's where the Spirit does the second part of His work. For it's not just that the Spirit breaks God down into pieces we can understand, using words we can understand. The Spirit is growing us. The Spirit is stretching us. The Spirit is taking the smallness that He finds in us and increasing our capacity to hold the glory of God. He takes our thimbles and turns them into buckets and makes them into cisterns so that we can hold more of the glory of God. So that we can hold more of the fullness of God. That's what the Spirit wants to be doing in your life. Not just taking everything that's been given to Jesus and guiding us into all truth, but making sure that He is maturing us and deepening us and broadening us so that we can hold what God all along has in store for us, Himself and His fullness and His purposes and His power. That's what the Spirit is doing in our lives. If we will but let him. If we will but get out of the way and let him have his way with us. God, by his spirit, intends to take your Simon and turn you into a Peter. God intends through His Spirit to grow you up from someone who is trembling in an upper room behind a closed locked door not knowing what in the world to make of what's happened into that man or woman who strides boldly into whatever his world may have and stand there strong and be able to speak forth the truth of the gospel of the glory of God with power and with eloquence and whose life 
is lived large to back up the largeness of the gospel being preached. That's what God intends for each and every one of you. No more small lives. No more thimbles. No more tiny oases of immaturity. No more petty struggles. Largeness of soul. Vastness of perspective. A world to turn upside down. And the only way we'll ever get to it is when you and I let the Spirit of God make of us what God has intended all along for us to be. Your choice, be a Simon if you want to. Your choice, be a woman standing by the well, lamenting the way her life has gone. Or let the Holy Spirit of God fill you with everything God is and wants so that you and I can be equal to the mission He's given us to accomplish. What do you think, Curtis? Let's do it. If you want to respond to this in some way, I don't know how. Maybe you just want to kind of jump down the aisle and say, I want to be bigger than I am. Um, I mean, in certain ways. But if you want to respond to this in some way, now would be a good time. Um, Brothers and sisters, you and I were meant to shine like stars in the universe. We weren't meant to hide our little candle under bushel baskets so that the world can ignore us. And by God's Spirit, He can make us flaming stars, not sputtering candles. Let's sing.